Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Zalota. I've got two of the people behind this uh, periodical online from Brazil, two Adventists who are not apologizing about their interest in Adventism and uh, not afraid to call out uh, Adventists for their political pandering and their uh, right-wing um, influences. So I want to welcome uh, both of you, uh, and I'll uh, introduce you in a second here, but thanks for joining me for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. It's really an honor. Spectrum has been an inspiration since forever. So, well, I can, can say the same. Thanks for having us. Great. Well, let me introduce uh, each one of you individually. Uh, we have uh, the prophet, Elias <laughs> Batista Jr. here. Uh, welcome. I'm looking forward. I, I've enjoyed reading uh, what you've written. So thanks for joining us, Elias. Well, thank you. It's an honor. Uh, I am very, very happy you, you at, at first because you you read my tests, <laughs> and and, and uh, I'm happy to to be here. As Andrea just say, uh, Spectrum is an inspiration for us, and we are excited to to share with you some of our initiatives here in Brazil. Great. And I want to welcome you, Andre Canasiro. Uh, thanks for uh, what you do there with Zolota and for talking with us today. Uh, thank you. Um, as I said, it's an honor. Uh, it's really great to know we can talk and struggle and think things through together. Yes, that's one of the things that makes being in a, a spiritual community, I think, rich, is finding uh, people uh, around the world where you share a, a similar, uh, not only uh, faith tradition, but a consciousness. And I think um, as we talk about Zelota, Zealot, and what it uh, does, for folks who are familiar with Spectrum, it very much has a similar interest in helping uh, people um, understand more about the news of the denomination, both local and global, um, but also uh, helping people think about their own spiritual walk and connecting it to uh, a life of doing justice and, and walking humbly. So why don't you tell us uh, what the mission of Zelota is in your own words? Um, uh, well, well, it's, uh, I think that the mission of Zelota is, um, above all, uh, as I, I just said to you, to give a voice to Adventist members, 
and especially those who feel, you know, outside of the church here in Brazil and maybe in Latin America. Um, I think many of you from the United States may know, but here in Brazil, the Adventist media does not represent that voice, uh, the voice of the, the members. Um, I think I can say it is a, a kind of paternalistic type of media, you know. Um, it has it has a monopoly on information about the church inside and outside of the continents in Latin America. Um, of course, of course, this monopoly communicates what is official. Okay, that, that's good. That's great. But it also, you know, it also organizes itself to to um, strengthen guidelines that only few of the leadership believe are important to the church. <laughs> so, um, so um, many Adventists in Brazil, and I, I, I can't suppose in Latin America as a whole, have no idea of what's going on outside of the church, outside of the church, the country. Uh, they have no idea of what is being discussed for example, what women are achieving right now, they don't know about uh, the, the influence of LGBT community, among other issues that, you know, uh, here hold be considered very controversial or even heretical or satanic. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are, we are a satanic magazine for, for this ship. So I think that that's it. Zelotos' main mission is to be that voice, to dialogue, or even to confront this informational hegemony and the voice that um, speak speaks not for the interests of the administrations but for its members. Yeah, Andre. You know, you're the editor in chief there, and you know, as. Um uh, Elias just mentioned it's really you know you're trying to be a voice for the laity, which is uh, you know something that Spectrum uh, does as well outside of the normal denominational channels of of information and control. Uh, as you're uh, you know as you were coming up with this idea and uh, very successfully publishing a series of articles and interview with Dr. Ronald Lawson as well someone well-known to the Spectrum community. What's been the, what's driven your involvement as the editor-in-chief of you, as you've sort of crafted the message of, of Zelota? Um, what keeps me going is that Zelota is not only a, a magazine, it's also a community. Mm -hmm. um, we, we started because we were worried that not only the church had the church organizations had the monopoly of information for its members, but you would do use this monopoly to enforce its own ideological views, not the ideological views of the church as a whole, but of its leaders. And as a result, many members would feel displaced by that, and that became really uh, clear in the last few years when. Our country began taking our far right wing turn, and 
as a, a member of the church, I could just watch and do nothing about it. I could just watch the uh, country go railways. I could just watch the church going railways. And what drives me and what drove me at the beginning, both me and, El and Elias, and keeps driving us, is that through Zolota, we know we are empowering people to talk because we are when we start talking, we start gathering people who want to talk about that too. And then we start to organize. And then when we organize, people got to listen to us because we are more than one. And that feeling of community, of, uh, of successfully struggling against something we, per we perceive to be wrong is really what... what what keeps Zelota going, I think. Um, in this last six months, we, and, and before that, because the, the team, the Zelota team, has been working together since last year at least. But in the last six months, we've been, we befriended people in a way that we, in a way, in a close relationship that we didn't have. Uh, with church members for for quite a, quite some time, uh, because when we are fighting together for a purpose, um, things mo move a lot faster, and the bonds grow a lot stronger too. Uh, so I, I would say that is uh, what keeps us going. Zelota is our ministry, kind of. Great, it's. Sounds so traditional and yet uh, revolutionary at the same time. Just so uh, folks kind of know uh, your uh, some of the topics that you've taken on, you have uh, explored the, uh, you did a series uh, on John, Dr. John Pauline's Sunday Laws, where you sort of helped folks think about um, the end time. And I think this is in the context, it's really important to recognize we have a general conference president uh, right now who just preached a sermon in which he very um, uh, comfortably uh, pr uh, presented a very traditional, um, you could call it retrograde uh, sermon about the Sunday laws. Uh, something that a lot of educated Adventists have kind of changed and nuanced their position on, but uh, he's in campaign mode. And if there's a theme for today, it's really being having our eyes open to the political nature of, of Adventist um, leadership and, and what theology is chosen to be mainstream. But he had no problem saying that, um, Sunday laws are the mark or worshiping on Sunday as a mark of the beast and um, the papacy is the antichrist. So, of course, probably nothing new to uh, a sermon for m many members in Brazil, but you have been working to sort of raise people's consciousness that there's some theological issues with that, some literal biblical issues with that sort of interpretation in addition to it being uh, a kind of old form of uh, Protestant uh, bigotry from the 16th and 17th centuries. So that's just one of many things that you've talked about, just a few interesting titles. 
the mood is pretty heavy, at least in the girls' dorm. You've been talking about um, uh, more freedom for women. You've been talking about LGBTQ plus um, freedom and really helping uh, young Adventists have a voice within um, Brazilian Adventism. You've also exposed the ways that the South American division, uh, in this case, their lawyer worked very closely with efforts that were um, connected to uh, evangelical efforts to um, overturn the prohibitions about uh, COVID and meeting. And over and over again, you've presented articles that show that um, Adventist leadership in Brazil are very comfortable with uh, the right-wing dictator uh, Bolsonaro and many of his uh, acolytes. So it's exciting reading. Um, as, as you said, Elias, people view you as satanic, which always means that... <laughs> that the conversation has gone downhill, but you've gotten attention. You have thousands of views for your articles and I, you have, I'm sure, gotten some pushback from people who said, hey guys, chill out, you know, <laughs> you're poking the bear. Uh, so, yeah, so tell us about what it's been like. Um, what What's sort of, the things that you, what's an article or an issue that you're really proud of and, and what's sort of some of the pushback that you've gotten? Maybe I'll go to Elias first and then Andre. What's, what are you uh, most proud about uh, what you've written or what you've published thus far? Well, actually, uh, right now, I'm really proud about the text, the, the articles that uh, I'm writing about the relationship of Seventh-day Adventists and Cuban Revolution. It is not yet translated to English, but uh, if Andre, you know, have some free time, I know, <laughs> I, I, I hope she will translate it for, for me. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I'm very proud of writing about it because it's, uh, it's a kind of narrative that we are not used to, to hear uh, and when we read about it or hear about it in, a, in our context in Latin America, they always um, they always talk about uh, the, the bad the bad side of the, the revolution and the relations of the Seventh Day Adventists in a context uh, post revolutionary post revolutionary context. No? So uh, it's 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 been it's been great. And I'm proud of writing these articles right now. I just wanted to emphasize that Elias' work this semester has been colossal. Uh, his investigative work has been uh, amazing. He has another uh, article um, that is not translated yet to English as well, but it's uh, In Search of the Promised Land, which is about the peasant and homeless people movements and their relationships to the Adventist church in Brazil, which is amazing to, to know about. It was amazing for me to read it. And, and this is, uh, I, for instance, 
write a lot about uh, all the pandering our leaders are doing in, in the political stage. But we, I really, really value when we start, uh, how do I say that? We start going to our own field and putting forward information that were, wasn't available and putting forward discussions that weren't being discussed um, in a way that uh, people raise their consciousness about the subject that they didn't think about. Uh, this uh, series about Cuba from Elias, for, for instance, has been eliciting um, uh, some really funny hysteria from our far-right uh, gurus so it seems it's working but <laughs> uh what what i'm really proud of uh is both the the princes and the generals the article wrote on the role of the adventist church with the military both in nazi germany and the, in, in latin america um, and their similarities uh, I'm also I'm also proud of this series about jo uh, from jo Dr. John Pauline because it's been raising consciousness about the issue. Uh, the Adventist leadership started campaigning quite hard after we finished the series, and they're really trying to enforce back the Sunday laws traditional views. They even uh, brought back that. Uh, story about the Pope's hat having the 666 or something like that. Uh, it's an official channel of the church. <laughs> and, and, and it's everywhere. And that that and it really seems like it started because of our series. <laughs> and it's really satisfying to see that even though they are bringing back some really retrograde arguments, they are trying to uh, defend their, their views, and to do that, they have to uh, refine their arguments at least a little bit. Um, and there is also an interview I'm proud of. I did with this Chilean Adventist who lives here in Brazil now, and he was a militant against Pinochet's dictatorship, and he was tortured for it, and the Adventist church didn't help him at all. It was the Catholic Church who helped him. And he was already an Adventist. So it was quite a, a painful interview to make. We were, uh, he was crying at the end of it. I was almost crying, but it was really meaningful and a, a really strong experience that I think we contributed to raise uh, awareness among the membership. You know, let's let's take a second here. I I um, had a student in one of my classes at Pacific Union College who who had come from Brazil and was I want to protect this person's privacy, so I'll just say very connected to a prominent member uh, in the church and was really struggling with. Um, their uh, faith and their relationship with this person who was very authoritarian and incredibly famous and um, 
you know, this student tried to help me understand that their parent was basically known everywhere um, in big towns and small towns, kind of a rock star in church. And, you know, it was, it was really interesting to hear this, this person talk about how much they were sort of repelled by um, the cult of personality that was a part of the, uh, that part of their Adventism, that it wasn't just a sort of simple faith that this young person felt like they had to, um, you know, fight for space just to be themselves. One of the reasons this person came to the U.S. was sort of to get away and figure out who they were independent of this, this Adventist machine, this media machine, this, as I said, I think cult of personality describes it well. Um, the project that you're uh, engaging with is really pushing back against this, I think, a powerful, um, almost uh, media industry uh, complex that is shockingly comfortable with the power structures, uh, the right-wing power structures in the country as well. And I'm just curious, I'd like to hear from you, Elias, first, and then Andre, how, you know, you're able to, um, you know, uh, uh, reach maybe some young Brazilians who are disenchanted with what they see as uh, hypocrisy. I know um, a lot of young Adventists were really put off by the church's embrace of of what Bolsonaro represented in part because of the sort of evangelical alliance. So can you talk about the what what what's what's um in the spirit of young Brazilians that are reading Zelota, uh, the people you're having conversations with? Uh, what, you know, how are they feeling and 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 what um what sort of messages are they looking for? Uh, well, I think uh, it's it's a pretty difficult question because we are we are meeting a, a different kinds of people, uh, different kinds of read, uh, readers. But uh, I think that we are ex especially uh, especially in conversation with some Seventh-day Adventists, young Seventh-day Adventists that are really concerned about political issues, um, concerned about some uh, some questions and and topics that are not are not, uh, are not exposed for, for the church and for the, the, the monopoly of the media. And uh, young people that um don't want uh, don't know what they're doing in the church anymore i suppose uh, young people i suppose you're reaching the young people that are leaving the church because they are realizing that they are not part of it anymore you know 
uh, I think it's simple. Look, they, they, they can talk about subjects they think are relevant to them and the church. Uh, they can't wear what they like to wear. They can watch or listen to the same thing as people of their age. Um, they can question anything. They can't innovate. They can't, uh, what else? They give their opinion. They, can, they cannot even fight for what they believe in, whether politically or philosophically. They cannot discover themselves sexually anyway. No, uh, why hold anyone staying in such place, in, in such church? You know, um, you know. I, I guess they they look for these things because no, I guess they they are not looking for these things for these things because they are rebellious. I, I don't think it's the case. No? I think uh, uh, they are they are smart enough to realize that the church doesn't know how to justify its its prohibition and its ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical movements. Uh, I don't want to be a prophet, as you say, but, but I believe it's, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time before the youth um, systematically disappear from our churches here. It's, it's, it's sad, but I think it's a matter of time. Um, you know, church doesn't take our, our young people seriously. And they, they even strives itself to demonize everything they love and everything they care about. It's, it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. There's a famous singer here in Brazil, Elise Regina. Uh, there's a song. It's a beautiful song, a very famous one called Como Nossos Pais. In English, it's like, just like our parents. And she says, uh, she says um, the door is closed for us who are young. And that's, that's what, what I feel. And that's, that, that's the kind of young people that, we, that I think Zelota is, is reaching and dialoguing. Yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. Uh, I think you're... You may not be a prophet, but um, you can just look at some sociological studies, and and I'm. It's a pretty safe prediction that as uh, students get more access to education, more access to meeting people from different backgrounds, um, their um, understanding of of their Adventism uh, has to change, or it will um, collapse. And uh, we see that certainly in America, Western Europe, Australia, and in increasingly um, urbanized Adventist contexts around the world. It's not just a sort of Western issue anymore. And I think uh, you're right on the cutting edge of, of what really is going to be the future of Adventism around the world. It's, it's not just everyone showing up for Adventist youth you know, meetings on Sabbath afternoon, singing songs together. Uh, the church really has to engage on social issues or 
um, it will um, not be around for a few more generations. Andre, you, um, I'm kind of curious about what, uh, why you care about Adventism. Uh, we've been talking about some of the issues with it, and Elias talked about the tragedy of people leaving. Why are you, um, you know, working so hard, not only writing your own articles, translating other people's prolific output, staying up late at night, uh, perhaps getting angry letters to the editor? So why why are you sticking around? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh... <laughs> It's been uh, easier now because we are working together, so we have a place to belong, uh, uh, despite the angry letters and comments and and everything, um, and even co phone calls. But I know I, I got that asked a lot, uh, even by my even by my girlfriend, who who is not uh, who has been. Uh, who has grown up with the close to the Adventist church, but she's not as linked to it as I am because I was born in it. <laughs> I'm going to put Bane. <laughs> I was born in it, raised by it. Uh, and it's kind of, kind of like being part of a country. I mean, I can leave Brazil, but I'll never stop being a Brazilian and I can leave the Adventist church, but I'll never stop. I'll never really stop being an Adventist. And since it's that much ingrained into my identity, I can't just pretend I, I don't care anymore about it. Uh, even more because I, I see the potential in it. I see the potential for, uh, for revival, for spiritual revival, revival for, uh, for social uh, relevance. And, and as I grew up and as I started thinking by myself, I just looked at the church and, and thought how much wasted potential. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I love this church and I still believe in it, but I don't believe it as these guys do, like the institution is sacred and um, you can talk about it. You have to protect its reputation at any cost because it's, uh, the apple of God's eyes. Uh, you know, I, I even made a pun with it, with this concept, because people keep using it against us because we can't talk against the apple of the Lord's eyes. And when we wrote, uh, when our collaborator wrote about the military dictatorship, we started calling the church the apple of the military's eyes. And I think we, we part of the uh, of what makes me believe in the potential for this church is not in its uh, institutions, but in its constant movement and, and all in, in its beginnings, but also now uh, with you guys, with uh, other people from other countries. Um, that's what makes me believe in the church, right? The, the, move, the movement caused by the spirit. And this movement that brings about change, that brings about uh, renewal, and and that turns things upside down, and that's what what we're trying to do here. Uh, well, 
I think it's it's a very difficult question, you know, when you when you ask why do we care about Adventists, it's a very difficult question because uh, I guess it involves uh, a lot of uh, reasons that that we hardly stop to think about. Why do we care about it? Uh, emotional reasons, uh, moral reason, reasons, theological reasons, etc. Uh, and, and, and that's why it's difficult to say which one prevails uh, in our initiative. Uh, because, look, uh, we are young. We are young and we would like to be doing a lot of other things right now, even right now. So uh, that, that's why we really ask that, that, that question every day then. Every day, why do we care about that? Because why do you care? We care about it, this magazine. Uh, but I think, in my in my perspective, I think we care about Adventists, just like Andre just said. Uh, most of all, because we care about people, and we care about this this movement, this movement, and the possibility that uh, our magazine is is showing for that people uh, mainly people we love especially people we love and in, in the context of setting the adventist church here uh i do understand what uh i do understand what what um what being an inventist means to them so for example for my mom and my my cousin etc and i know they struggle every day to to be you know worthy to be called adventist they they, they work very hard to to be called like that uh, not just for theological reasons but uh you know for the sake of his history and adventist message and hope anyway of course i myself uh i also have a, a lot of affection for the church of course uh, i grew up in it and I always, uh, always wished well to, uh, for the church, but I believe that without that, uh, without um, the love for these people, the people we love, the the, the people of our family, our friends, uh, we'll never do what we are doing right now because we are not making money, we are not getting famous, we are not. Uh, even being loved by our own institution, we are we are being compared with satanistic movements. Uh, we spend our we spend our money and our free time, uh, the free time that we don't have, and then we spend all of this to, to organize, you know, use materials, useful materials for our readers and. I'm not trying to say that we are, you know, righteous people, that uh, our motives are, you know, immaculate. That, that's not the case. And I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that it's not the case, of course. But uh, I confess that, that if, Zelota were, if Zelota were only, only relevant to us, it won't it, it, it uh, wouldn't need to exist the, the, you know there's no relevant uh, it, it, it will be anyway so i think we care about adventists because 
we care about people, we care about friends or family, and especially people in Latin America who wants to be part of the church, but they don't know how. Yeah. Can I uh, make one brief comment? Um, we started uh, this last few weeks, uh, new study groups, uh, which are like small groups, uh, but online because of the pandemic and everything. Uh, and there were people from all, of all ages. There were people in their 20s, in their 30s, 30s, in their 60s. And they were all hurt by the church. They were all hurt. They were all feeling displaced. And th but they didn't want to leave. They didn't feel comfortable, comfortable at their congregations, but they didn't want to leave everything. Because they believe it, they believed in the in the church beliefs, the the, the that that's where they were raised. Um, and so I just wanted to make clear that we don't want to exchange one uh, hegemony for another one. We want there to be dialogue. We don't. Uh, although uh, we write about a lot about um, the LGBTQ plus community. We don't hate the lay member from my neighbor, from our neighborhoods, who, um, for lack of knowledge and relationships, uh, feels uncomfortable close to LGBTQ plus people. We we want the leadership to stop avoiding these dialogues. We want the leadership to foster these dialogues between the lay members from our neighborhoods and these people who are being systematically excluded. Mm -hmm. And we want there to be an honest and uh, an open dialogue about everything else, about politics, about sexuality, about um, about everything, everything. So that this, uh, and we have our views, of course, but we don't want to enforce them them upon the institution. We want them to, to be acknowledged as legitimate views, because they are not. They're being uh, justifications for discipline for explosion for censorship and or or even non-official uh exclusions but we are here we exist we are not going anywhere yeah i think i i, I like the metaphor of movement that you mentioned earlier that you recognize that when adventism is moving it's at its best and I, this idea of dialogue certainly resonates with, you know, what has been a part of the spectrum community and is part of really the life of, of being um, a good neighbor is to, to, to understand the, the other, uh, to have that I-thou relationship as Martin Buber talks about and to treat people not as um, means to an end, but as ends themselves. And, too often large institutions like the church just treats, you know, once people are members, they're just treated as a cog in a machine, um, giving money to, uh, you know, helping put on evangelistic series. They're really treated as a, a tool and, and not as a living, breathing embodiment of the spirit of the divine, which is only nourished through freedom. So I'm ranting right now because I really love what you both have been saying about what motivates you. Um, 
And it really, I think, uh, connects in with what uh, a lot of folks um, in progressive Adventism are trying to explore themselves. It's really a, a universal, a global um, project. And it's so fun to know that you're uh, doing your part down there. Um, so for folks who want to uh, get to know you better, we'll, of course, include um, some links in for our um, English uh, readers. Thanks for your work to translate your articles into English for those of us who are lazy Americans and, and don't uh, read <laughs> Uh, as widely as we should in many languages. Um, can you tell folks who are going to just uh, kind of discover you maybe for the first time after hearing this, um, you know, ways that they can uh, support you and, and learn more about you in addition to just reading um, what you uh, put out on your website? We are composed of a bunch of volunteers sacrificing their free time so we uh and right now in the pandemic we are not leaving uh, our houses for much besides working but we are uh finishing our patreon profile for example because we want to when we can start traveling around and things like that we want to be able to cover things more closely Mainly the things that, for example, the the piece on the peasant movement that Elias wrote uh, was only possible because uh, we used a few of the donations we got to travel to a peasant camp where there were Adventists. And there were beautiful pictures, beautiful stories. Um, and we could do a lot more of that uh, with more support. I mean, with the donations weren't, weren't uh, all of it. We took money from our pockets too, but uh, it was worth it. And besides that, I would say uh, make matters known. Uh, whatever we, we the, the information we bring up in Zelota is not only meant for Brazil is meant for the whole world because and the US specifically is closely closely related to what happens in Brazil. Uh, because Brazil is pretty much the US's yard. <laughs> so uh, and the, the US makes sure uh, that that keeps like that. And so uh, every article we've been translating to English from the princes and the generals to the history of the uh, Adventist church and the military dictatorship in the 60s or the uh, the article about our, our rock stars, our Adventist rock stars who are pretty much all for right-wing supporters. Um, all that depends, also depends on external influence. And external influence can also help change that. So we are trying our best to make uh, internal pressure for change. So any external pressure is welcome. Great. As we're moving towards um, the general conference session and folks' interest in sort of Adventist uh, politics is 
renewed. Um, I think uh, checking out your website is a great way to have a sort of um, a more informed uh, understanding of, of what's happening um, in the church itself. And um, so I'm, uh, I really encourage folks to, 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 to read the articles that you have, um, like you've mentioned, not just the articles that are about church leaders um, cozying up to uh, right-wing dictators, but also the way that you're helping folks understand that the, the sort of average uh, Adventists are looking for something more as well, the laity. Um, so it's been really great talking with both of you. Thank you for um, what you do and um, um, looking forward to reading um, more from uh, Zelota. And uh, I really hope that you not only continue, but flourish in your uh, consciousness raising publishing efforts. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been an honor. And uh, I hope this is the beginning of uh, a long friendship. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. Uh, it was uh, exciting and, you know, we are pretty young. We have just, you know, eight months of magazine. We have a lot to, to learn and a lot to, to get involved too. So, so we, we need uh, any support and also motivation, you know, so we can answer the question why are we doing this well thanks so much and i wish you all the best yes i do sister white we will not fear the kingdom is alive the kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely 